Buongiorno e benvenuti to Kimberly's Italy. My name is Kimberly Holcomb and I am here with... Il sono famoso. No. <laughs> Io sono famoso or il famoso Tommaso. Il famoso Tommaso. Yes. The famous Tommaso, that is. He's learning. He's getting there. And he better know how to address himself as the famous Tommaso correctly. <laughs> Speaking of Tommaso, this morning, he told me that we are now listened to in 96 countries. So for those new listeners, thank you for joining us. And if this episode is perhaps your first or second one, you'll soon realize that this podcast is about our love of all things Italian. And just if this is your first or second one, remember to subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, remember to subscribe. It really helps us have an understanding of how many downloads we're getting, and it helps us better to craft our story. Buon idea. Good idea. We share a lot on this podcast, which apparently has been allowing a lot of people to fill their happy tank. <laughs> That's how one of our listeners described it in a very sweet review on Apple Podcasts. I can fill my happy tank with Aperol Spritz. Thank you. <laughs> While listening to our episodes. I have a very how's, large tank. But how's that? It's Sunday morning. We're not going to have that today. No, exactly. I also want to share the sweetest compliment we got the other night from our friend's mom. I ran into her at this little beach down on the island here, and she saw me alone. I was with you know somebody else, and she said, Kimberly, where's Tommaso? I was like, I laughed because everyone here obviously knows him as Tom, except during our podcast. I said, oh, Tommaso is back home working on some techie thing, you know, just geeking out at home <laughs> while I was playing with our friend's dog. As one does instead of going to the beach. Right. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> so she said, when I told her you were at home, she said, well, I have been quite busy traveling all over Italy with the two of you. And I've really enjoyed myself. Like, is that the sweetest, most Karina compliment ever? And she's into the two levels of demographic that we appeal to, the two demographics, over 50 and under 50. <laughs> she's very hip and switched on for her age. Exactly. Anyway, thank you very much, Mrs. Malcolm. Mrs. Malcolm, next time I see you, Tommaso will say, Buongiorno. <laughs> Buongiorno, Bella Donna. Buongiorno, Bella Donna. <laughs> and while I'm in this gratitude mode here, I also want to say I appreciate all the travel planning business I've received from listeners. I really, truly enjoy planning these trips for people because primarily the common thread is, the common question, the common ask is, can you plan a trip where I'll have as much fun as it seems like you two do on yours? And I said, of course, I'll try my best. And in that case, I hire my friends that I know over there, the friends that have the private boats, friends that are private drivers. I make reservations for them at restaurants where I know the owners. I put them in boutique type accommodations where I know the managers. So it's as close as you can get to befriending locals and having a really intimate time and feel like you walked away from your vacation and got to know Italians. And when you people show up, they show up and the reservation doesn't say Expedia, the biggest discount. Yes. It's from Kimberly and they know. Good point. 
Good point. So they get a little extra special treatment, perhaps. They get, at least they get a smile because right now those folks in Italy are just hammered. Exactly. They're I, so tired. I heard a comment the other day. People are calling it revenge tourism. Yes. Yeah. Which doesn't make me happy. No. All right. Let's carry on. Allora. Allora. Actually, I should define that for these new listeners in our 96 countries, in case you don't know what the word allora means. Basically, it's just what they use one word to summarize like, well then, or carrying on. And it's everyone uses it. And it's awesome. Remember our friend Vivi from here came back from Venice. She went in late January, had the best time and she came back. All she said for like the next two months was, Allora, (laughs) I'll meet you down at the farm. Allora, let's eat. Allora. Our last episode finished about halfway down the region of Puglia, a little south of Bari. And the further south you go on the coast is where you see all those dramatic stone cliffs, these teeny inlets that are just, that just make for the best swimming spots and inland, all these villages So there's a lot to chat about. But one little fun fact is that the coastline of Puglia stretches farther than any other region in Italy. And that's because it goes down the East Coast, wraps around the tip and goes back up the West Coast. The boot. The boot. That's the heel. That's a a lot like our little Rhode Island. You know, we've got 37 miles wide, 40 something, 48, 49 miles long. But we have 400 miles of coastline. That's shocking. Mostly the point that our island's only 37 miles wide. (laughs) No, Rhode Island. I'm sorry. Rhode Island is only 37 miles wide. Our island is one mile wide. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So let's work our way down from the middle. I'm going to give you a little bit of information on all the villages and places that I personally think are worth visiting, but there's tons of them. And this whole region, the southern half of Puglia, is referred to as Salento. It's almost like a sub-peninsula of the heel of the boot. And that entire heel is a peninsula itself. But this area, this province, is called Salento. So the first village to chat about is called Polinano a Mare. And just in case you're Googling this, trying to figure out what I just said, (laughs) <laughs> when you I am when you see the letter G in the middle of a word, you don't pronounce it. So this name is spelled P O L I G N A N O and then Amare. So Polinano Amare. You've most likely seen photos of this place. If you Google Puglia, this Polinano Amare is the one that pops up because it's so dramatic, has these whitewashed plain facade buildings clinging to the edge of these jagged cliffs. And they were built there from the get-go. It's not like erosion made it come close to the to the buildings. They built it that way deliberately from the beginning of time when they settled there. And I think it was for, you know, having this dramatic view. You can throw little scraps out your kitchen window. The fish can eat your food at night. I mean, it's just a sheer drop to the water below. It's awesome. And this village is also famous for a teeny triangular shaped beach that's right smack dab in the middle of the village. So locals don't have to drive to go swimming and people that are visiting there can just go take a dip in this beautiful crystal clear water. But the locals, they know how to walk out on the 
outcrops of the cliff on the south side of this of this beach and they walk out as far as they can then just dive in and it looks like it's shallow because it's so clear but they do like cliff diving dive straight in it's just beautiful i think it's this village actually that has red bull annual diving competitions really yes i think it's polinano amare and the Centro Storico in Polignano is a maze of buildings and everything just feels sun-drenched. That's a very good adjective for this village. Sun-drenched, but in a good way. It's sweet as can be. I highly recommend going. Just bring your sunscreen. Yes, exactly. And, you know, if you can avoid going in July and August, I would do so because it is very hot and filled with Italians and other tourists that now want to go to Puglia. Right south of Polinano Amare is Monopoly. And we spoke about this in episodes 35 and 36. So you can listen to those to get a quick recap. But we both loved Monopoly, didn't we? I, we did. And I think one of the things that really goosed that love along was the fact we were there in the off season. Yes. And we sort of had it to ourselves. Yes. And we recorded the podcast on the quay there in the harbor. We had those wonderful dinners with way too much seafood. <laughs> but it was just magic because there weren't a lot of people there. No, I didn't really see any other tourists. But let's say, let's preface that by saying we were there in the beginning of November right. of 2021. Right. So Italy was open to tourism. But it wasn't a mob scene. Exactly. So we were very fortunate. Good. Regardless, I love Monopoly. Okay, so moving on, a little bit inland from Monopoly in Polinano Amare is a village called Loco Rotondo, and it's known as one of Italy's most beautiful small towns. And I want to tell you the word for a small town because you'll see these signs everywhere. So Borgo, B-O-R-G-H-O, means village. Borghi, B-O-R-G-H-I, means villages. So you'll always see these signs. And it's like a historic classification, Borghi Antico, you know, an ancient old village. But you'll see the description for Loco Rotondo in Italian as uno dei borghi più bello d'Italia, one of the most beautiful villages in all of Italy. And there's thousands of them, yeah. right? <laughs> it's not like, <laughs> so, it's not like there's not a lot to choose from. Right. I mean, they're a plenty, that's for sure. So Loco Rotondo is also on the lighter colored whitish side of these villages in Puglia. Yet some of these buildings have a much more ornate architectural element to them. Like I, as I just described in Polinano Amare, all the buildings are just a plain flat facade, whitewashed windows. That's it. A door, windows, flat buildings. In Loco Rotondo, from some other cultural influence, they have more ornate like pediments over the doorways, wooden, excuse me, um, stone window frames, like just beautiful and much more going on than just the plain facade. And also the entire village is just stone, stone buildings, stone walkways, stone streets. Everything is stone and it's old, old stone. It's all worn. So when you're walking around, you, I keep thinking in a place like that, I could be walking in bare feet. It's so smooth and so worn. Like when you go into a Duomo, let's say in Milan, for example, from the centuries of people walking over the stone flooring, it just smooths with time. You can barely see where one stone started and the next one ended. 
And the same I feel about these villages down south because of the sun, the heat, and the years and centuries of people walking over them. And it's a to me, it's just this smooth, peaceful feeling. I don't know. It seems like a weird description, but there's something about old, worn, smooth stone. There's something about walking through one of those villages at 11 o'clock at night when everyone's gone to bed. Exactly. And there's, you know, a very, very little noise. You feel like you step back in time. Maybe that's it. Because we did that in every village on our whole trip, late, late night walks, and it's quiet. Does that have to do with worn stone? I'm not sure. But anyway, it's part of of the lure. It's about us. That's fine. (laughs) Okay. Loco Rotondo also has a circular type of layout like every other village down there. So eventually you'll find your way back. Don't worry about it. And here's another travel tip. Molto importante. If you are looking at Google Maps and you zoom in into a village, let's say you're going to look up Loco Rotondo. Where should I park? Where should I go? If you zoom in and you see that pale yellow section, that is the Centro Storico. That's the historic center. So zoom in as far as you can go on Google Maps and you'll know where to start. Because sometimes the outskirts are a little 70s, 80s, unattractive. Exactly. They're the people that keep the Centro Historico looking well. Exactly. To attract tourism. Aim for the pale yellow section on Google Maps. Certo. Okay. So moving on. Ostuni. Its nickname is Chita Bianca, the White City. And we also discussed this in those same episodes, episode 35 and 36. But it is such a unique village. I absolutely love it as well. And it's perched high on a hill and it was built there originally for its strategic defensive position. And it's just a jumble of buildings all one upon the other. It's like the entire village seems to be abutted to its neighbor. The only place that there's a break in between these buildings are for the teeny narrow stone staircases that go up and down from the hill, from the bottom of the hill to the top, because eventually you have to get out, right? (laughs) Or or get to the top. Or get to the top. So, you know, Stooney also, because you did not go to Loco Rotondo, but you did go to Ostuni. Right. And just like Polinano Amare, plain facades, right? Only the churches or governmental buildings like the town hall, et cetera, had any kind of ornamental architectural elements. Other than that, white, plain, nothing but whiteness. It was awesome. We, we were there during Kitten Club Due. Yes, you were a part of Kitten Club Due. Yes. Two. Kitten Club Two. Okay, I should quickly say what that is for your new listeners. Last October and November, I had two trips where I escorted women. Tom nicknamed the Kitten Club. But since the second trip was women from here, friends from here, he, I asked if he could escort us and they said, Certo, see. Si. So he did. And he got the nickname of Tomcat. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. we always refer to kitten clubs and we might be having a couple kitten clubs coming up this fall, hopefully. And all the kittens, just for refresh, we, they, we all drove in the litter box. There was a van yeah, yeah, that yeah. wasn't that nice. <laughs> just smell it. I love Ostuni and I actually, in between these two kitten club trips, I had a couple of days to myself and I stayed in Ostuni at night and it was like this foggy night. It was magical and I got there maybe around four o'clock, parked outside the city wall. My place was in the city, but I had to leave the car somewhere, the, the litter box. And I started walking around four o'clock and people are still at work and it wasn't a touristy season, obviously, like we just mentioned. 
So people worked till about seven o'clock. So no one was just walking around these minuscule sidewalks. I ran into no one. I took a million pictures and video and just did 360s like no one's here. I have this Chita Bianca to myself. I, that this, you know, there's just phenomenal when you can be in a place like that and think about the, the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that have walked through there over the centuries and what millions they millions of people, yes. I would say. Uh, okay, well, some places probably not down. Maybe not down there, but who knows? You know, there weren't a lot of people around way back when, and you know, right after the Romans. The long and the short of it is to close your eyes and just think mm -hmm. and listen and feel how they must have felt. That was their everyday life. There weren't many That's people. That's all they knew. That's all they knew. And man, they were lucky. They were, yeah. <laughs> Allora. Allora. In summary, Ostuni, La Chita Bianca is totally, totally worth a visit. I absolutely loved it. Go to Ostuni. Off season if you can. Moving on, Martina Franca, that's also inland, a bit west of Ostuni, and it seems much larger. And guess what? You weren't there either. It's not white, basically at all. We didn't see a single white building, so it's from a different century or different cultural influence, but we loved it. And I spoke about Martina Franca in episode 34, so listen to that if you'd like to know where to go for the best, most comical aperitivo hour. Cafe Tripoli. It was just awesome. And it's also a city to get easily lost in, not just walking around. In my case, on my trip there in October, I lost the car. So rookie move. I never heard about this. Rookie move. I didn't tell you. No. Totally lost the car because we had, you know, we first we went to Aperitivo Hour and then we found this. Uh, too many Aperitivos. No, just one maybe. Okay. But then we found this awesome little local place for dinner, etc. So we were walking around for hours. And when we parked the car, all I remember is that it was by a church. Like, duh, there's you know a million churches everywhere. And normally I take a photo of the location. In this case, I did not. So travel tip to everyone that's driving. Take a photo of your car, but more than just the car with the stone wall behind it, because there's stone walls all over. You take a picture of the closest street sign. And keep in mind, the street signs are carved into marble or into stone. They're put on the side of a building on the corner and it'll say Via Maggiore or whatever. And that's the photo you need to take, because then once you lose your car, you can find the Exact locate, not the exact location, but close enough on Google Maps. So lesson learned. Martina Franca, also highly recommend it. It's just beautiful and a totally different feel than the other villages in Puglia. And there's so many of these teeny villages. We could go on for hours. It would be like three more episodes. But instead, I'm going to carry on south to the capital of Puglia, the city called Lecce. And Lecce's moniker is the Florence of the South for very obvious reasons. There's so much art, history, architecture, just diversity. It's fantastic. However, <laughs> this is a little secret that I didn't write in the show notes that I share with Tommaso. I kept it to myself because the other super exciting thing, molto, molto importante about Lecce is... Its buzz phrase is, and I read this in so many places, I've heard it before, 
quote unquote, if church spotting is your thing, no city can be oh, late no. shade. I'm not going. I just wrapped up. You can go. You just don't have to go into all 100 churches. I'm I'm good with one, and then I'll go sit and have a parativos while you go through the rest of the churches. Exactly. The other little nickname for it is the city of 100 churches, and it's not that big. I'll know if you've booked in like for three weeks there. (laughs) You can go to a couple of villages and come back and get me. I'm going to stay somewhere else. Oh, yeah. With 100 churches, that means there's almost 100 bell towers. And what architectural buff does not love a good bell tower? Remember standing in Venice your first time? We just stood under that bell tower and thought how long it's been there, how many times it's been renovated, rebuilt. And they're just. Well, that was just that evening. Those of you haven't. This is your first episode. We had a wonderful evening in Venice dancing by ourselves in Piazza San Marco. We did indeed. Looking at that bell tower. That yes, was we just, did indeed. Uh, that is something, if I were to die tomorrow, I'd remember that evening. Yes. Well said. But I don't want you to die because I can't do this episode. <laughs> I can't do this podcast without you. Calling uh, all <laughs> geeks. Going to do a podcast. Okay. So back to Leche and it's City of 100 Churches. I'm just going to give you the top five, Okay. The Duomo, naturally, and the basilicas of Santa Croce, Santa Chiara, Santa Irene, and San Mateo. And you can get a pass to all of these for the equivalent of like 10 or 12 euro. You can go into all of these amazing churches. And I could, as Tommaso said, spend like a month there. However, besides these remarkable churches, Lecce is also known for its grand Baroque architecture, Baroque, unlike any other part of Southern Italy, basically. And it has kind of like a buff-colored facade. It's totally diverse and different and not what you would expect in the south of Puglia, considering every other village you had seen up until then, except for Martina Franca, is white and feels Greek or Turkish. So all of a sudden, Lecce, the Florence of the South, is there. And perhaps the most important and alluring attraction in Lecce is the sunken amphitheater, which was erected in the reign during the reign of Emperor Hadrian. Remember how we discussed him? Mm-hmm. He was quite the player in Roman times. <laughs> quite the player. <laughs> anyway, it was built during the second century AD and then lost for hundreds of years after, as usual, They just built over it. And in 1929, some construction workers discovered it underneath the, you know, during the excavation, they were about to build a building for a bank. And what did they find? A Roman amphitheater from 2 AD. And it's not even fully excavated yet. It's only partially excavated to this day. Really? Considering the size of of the Roman amphitheaters, you can understand why. But also... All these treasures seem to be discovered over time. I mean, there must be so many still buried. Remember when we were told about the um, the water cistern in Matera that was completely covered by a parking lot? Yes. I was wondering, yes. I was wondering if Joni Mitchell wrote her song there. They paved paradise and put up a parking lot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm, dating, I'm dating ourselves. Yes, you about, are. Yeah, you are. So, okay. Anyway, that water cistern in Matera, they're called the 
Palombaro water cistern system. It had been covered over, like you said, into like a macadam parking lot in the smack dab middle of Matera. And someone discovered it not that long ago in the 70s or 80s, I believe. And so they, the locals went around and found the oldest inhabitants, like close to 100 years old. And they said, hey, do you remember that there was a Palumbaro down there, a water system? They're like, see, sí, Certo. And you knew that they put a parking lot over it? See, sí. You know, <laughs> it's just what would happen. Right. No one stood up and defended, don't do this. But they do in this day and age. Thank goodness. Back to Leche for a second. There's three ancient limestone gates to the city, just like Luca, a walled city. Leche is a walled city. And all these walled cities, and there's not that many of them left with the walls existing, had these gates, portas, for, and they were built so large and they were built for their defense mechanism. So their army and their horses and their war machinery. Cannons and all that stuff. Cannons and whatnot could come and go out of the doors. So in Leche, there's three portas, Porta Napoli, Porta... Rudee and Porta San Biagio. And these gates create such a different vibe when you're in Luca or Lecce. You walk through them and they're so imposing, you can't miss them. They're massive. And they're thick, really, and, really yes. thick. And you walk in and it's just a whole different feeling as opposed to walking into the historic center of Florence or, or Milano. All of a sudden you're in it and you can tell because things are older. But in these walled cities, it's like this grand entry and it's still there, which makes me really happy. You can imagine yourself coming through in your chariot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so Leche is so fantastic. And I want to finish talking about Leche with their little habit they have down there because it's so warm. The Salentino people, which, as you recall, I mentioned this area, province, sub peninsula is called Salento. So all the people that live down there, Salentinis. So the Salentino people sit in these piazzas outside in this blasting heat. And it's not white. Remember, not reflective like the other cities. So it's hot. And they sit in the piazzas and they drink an iced coffee. But not like the iced coffees we have here or the 20 different varieties you can get from Starbucks. Theirs is called Café in ghiaccio con latte di mandarola. That is a... Mouthful. That's a mouthful. <laughs> but guess what it is? It's not a grande size like Starbucks. It's just a normal size, kind of smallish glass with espresso over ice, sugar, white sugar, and almond milk. And they're not doing that to be trendy. They've been drinking almond milk for probably centuries longer than America. But that's what they drank to cool down. And they drink it like all day. That's well, a lot of espresso, but they're used to it. So anyway, that's the way to cool down your cafe con ghiaccio con latte di mandorola. And don't ask for a double skim, <laughs> half-calf. <Yeah. laughs> Low foam. Because you've got the cafe, <laughs> whatever it is, that whole, that whole line that you just, just talked about. Right. Okay. So heading south and back to the coast is the village of Otranto. It's your typical picturesque seaside town, but it has its fair share of architecture as well. Not nearly as impressive as Leche, which is the capital, but Otranto's on the East Coast and everyone goes there for the swimming. But if you start cruising around 
and for example, go into the cathedral. It's a Romanesque cathedral from the 12th century with unbelievable mosaic floors. And even more impressive is the gilded Moorish ceiling. So another travel tip. Don't forget to look up. Anytime you go into any kind of building, significant or not, cathedral or not, town hall building, you name it, look up because there's artisans that spent decades of their lives working on those ceilings, on those frescoes, on those mosaic domes. Some of them could have spent their whole life. Exactly. It's very, very impressive. And I have to add a little gruesome tidbit about this cathedral in Otranto. It has the skulls of 800 people who were slaughtered by the Turks who invaded in 1480. Ooh. 800 or over 800 skulls of the locals. And you think that's kind of creepy, but then in the end you think, you know what? Your murders, your death has made a statement for all these years. And it's a reminder that I don't know what's wrong with humankind and we can't stop fighting with each other, but they're there. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see. Okay. It's worth it. It's not, it's gruesome sounding, but you stand there and think about it like, wow, they paid tribute to these people that were slaughtered by putting them in this amazing church. Also in Otranto, you can go to the lighthouse. It's this wind pummeled century after century lighthouse, and it's called Punto Palacia. And on a clear day from this lighthouse, you can see Albania and the Greek islands. And that's very cool. That old area that north to the Dalmatian coast, Croatia, and that's beautiful cruising area. Someday we're going to sail. Sailing, there. yes. And that wind, a lot of it comes flying down from the mountains and the Alps. It comes right down between Italy and the Dalmatian coast in Albania. And it just venturis, which is a funneling effect. That's why it's so windy down there. And that's probably what happens at the southernmost tip. So the village I was going to describe next is Santa Maria de Leuca. And I have not been there, but I want to on the next trip. I hope that happens. And that's the tip of the land of the bottom of the heel of the boot, where the Adriatic and the Ionian Sea kiss. Carina, huh? (laughs) So it's flat there, but I guess it's quite windy. And apparently there's some good surfing. Italy doesn't have surfing in general. It's not a surf culture like other countries because they just don't have the kind of waves. But Apparently, ciao, dude. (laughs) Okay, apparently, it's the only ciao, dude area of all of Italy. We'll have to check it out. Then there's the entire west coast of the peninsula to explore. And I think it's a bit less visited by foreigners, but I do know the Italians flock there. And in the last year or two, I have found some very, very cool and very refined places to stay, unique boutique type accommodations, renovated palazzos, all in this Western mid, uh, mid peninsula area. And, and Italians are all about design and they always have been. So when someone, when an Italian renovates an old building to convert it into a hotel or a boutique type palazzo, you can be sure it's going to be incredibly tasteful. And I'm guessing that they chose this area that's somewhat remote and less visited because there's plenty of other design-heavy, beautiful boutique places to stay over in the east side of Puglia, like all those Mazarias and Trulli that were renovated. 
So I think the Italians from the north said, let's go to the West Coast. And that's what they did. So stunning, beautiful places to stay. So on the West Coast, personally, my goal is to go to the village of Gallipoli. And its centro storico is actually on an island off the main part of the town, the point. And you can drive onto this island and the centro storico. And you can actually drive around the whole little island. And it's absolutely stunning. And in the historic center, there is a castle from the late 1400s, kind of new. But think about how remote this area was. Must have been invaded by everyone. But there's a castle from the late 1400s that was built upon a pre-existing Byzantine structure. So that tells you how long it's been taken over, built, ruled, bombed, rebuilt, etc. Switched, changed hands. Exactly. And next to the castle is a tower. And apparently when it was built, it was the latest and greatest in terms of design for defense. And in their case, it was mostly from those aggressive Turks that killed all those 800 plus people in Otranto. So going to Gallipoli is on my list. I think it should be on everyone's. Oh, and I forgot to mention, there's a Greek fountain from the Renaissance in the village. Reason alone, enough to go. I love Greek fountains. Okay. I love fountains, Renaissance fountains, like all those fountains in Rome. Oh, yes. Okay. Right? It's like that. Oh, okay. Okay. You, that didn't register with no, it, it, did you? No, it didn't. No. Okay. Well, no. it does now, everybody. Go for the Greek Renaissance fountain. I was still stuck on 100 churches figuring I was going to wiggle out of that one. <laughs> okay, so Alora. In summary, if you take all these villages and the city of Leche into account, then throw in the distinct and delicious Puglian cuisine, the truly fantastic wine, the year-round stellar weather, the incredible swimming in that crystal blue water, no wonder Puglia is such a desirable place to visit. Just fantastico. And the best summary I read was from a New York Times article, and this woman said this, quote, The love of sun mingles with a love of place and a love of food. In Puglia, they're hard to separate. Wow. That is such a succinct description and feel and vibe of Puglia. A person a few words says it well. Exactly. I ramble on and she says it in like 20 words. <laughs> All right. So I think we should end there. Finito. And we're not going to tell you what our next episode is because we haven't quite decided yet. It's going to be a sorpresa. Okay. Okay. Grazie mille tutti. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for the comments on Facebook, email, Instagram. We appreciate it all. And please keep it up. Please subscribe, rate, and write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. That would be very helpful. Thank you all. Grazie mille. Buon settimana. Have a good week. And see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.